Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to, to the third chapter of Genesis. We're going, I'm going to read a little bit out of there, and, and then we're going to be in the New Testament for the most part. But I want to begin by simply telling you, reading, first of all, as you turn to Genesis, I want to read John 14, verse 23. Okay, here's what it says. Jesus answered, responding to his disciples, he said, if a person really loves me, think about this. Now, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word. He will obey my message. And my father will love him. And we, the Trinity, will come to him and make our home, our abode, special dwelling place with him. So he's telling us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that God himself has taken up residence in the hearts of every believer. Every believer that's here today, praise God, you've got someone living on the inside of you. Can I have an amen? Say this, I have a real person living on the inside of me. The third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because I believe if you get that revelation in your heart, it'll help you to curb your life, how you act, how you talk, how you respond, you know, uh, to everything in life. You'll be conscious that there's someone living in your house and someone listening to everything you say. Everybody say amen to that. The awesome thing about it is that he is the Holy Spirit of love, and he's there for a purpose. God sent him into your life for a purpose. Now, Jesus continues and says, anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. Excuse me, anyone who does not really love me does not obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, Jesus said, but it comes from the Father who sent me. I've told you these things while I'm still with you. But the parakletos, that's the word in the Greek, but the parakletos, the comforter, counselor. Now, come on, focus on these things now, because this is what we're teaching on. But the parakletos, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, watch this, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall, will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. That's called revelation knowledge. Praise the Lord. We all need that. Can I have an amen? This is the sixth teaching on a series that we began and I titled it, The Holy Spirit, My Sevenfold Friend. Say, I have a sevenfold friend living on the inside of me. He really is. He's a friend. Praise God. Mother, he wants to be your friend. He wants to get close to you. He wants to be intimate with you. Praise God. Spiritually intimate with you so that you, you, you hear his voice so that you can respond accordingly. Because he's always out for your... The Holy Spirit is always, always on the forefront of his mind is your best. I said it's for your best. Can I have an amen? He wants the best for you. Hallelujah. And the past two teachings, we've been, we taught on the comforter. That when you're going through a hard time, there's one that comforts you, even though sometimes you feel isolated, you're alone, or you, don't, you think nobody understands the, the pain and the, uh, the heartache that you're going through, but your best friend does, the Holy Spirit. 
Can I have an amen to that? He really does. He cares about everything that you go through, the difficult struggles that you have in life because Jesus went through those same struggles. Struggles, And he's also your counselor. And I was talking to Faith Carlson. She's a she's, um, uh, psychotherapist. And uh, we were talking this morning for just a moment. And I, and I told her, I said, any counseling that isn't founded on the word of God will not benefit you at all. They can give you the medication. They can, you know. And it's interesting about counselors. Counselors, I don't care how professional they are, they all carry the same Adamic nature that we do. They all face the same struggles that we do. In fact, they say there's a high percentage of suicide among counselors because they get so depressed listening to you. <laughs> Not against counselors, but the greatest counselor in your life, the one, who has, the one who has all the answers for your life is the Holy Spirit. He knows you inside and out, hallelujah, and therefore can speak the very things that you need at the very time that you need them. Come on, say amen. Say, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Ghost. We don't have to be afraid. He's Trinity. He's deity. He's the third person of the Godhead. Hallelujah. Amen. So today I want to cover his ministry of being our helper. Say helper. Helper. Amen. Helper. Now, anybody, common sense, knows what a helper is. One comes to assist you, uh, work alongside of you to, to accomplish whatever you need accomplishing. That's the Holy Spirit. Years ago, the Beatles came out with a song. It goes, help Help, help, help. (laughs) Okay, so I can't sing. (laughs) That was a great song. When I was young and so much younger than today, I didn't need anybody's. But now, I know these days I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I changed my mind. I've opened up the. Oh, see, some of you know him. See, some of you are spiritual like me. It's just amazing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some, and some of you young kids are going, Beatles? Who is that? <laughs> but they're great music. But it was kind of cool what they wrote. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Can I have an amen? amen? We have the helper. He's called the Holy Spirit. That's what one of his ministries is. Hallelujah. Now, I want to go back just for a moment in Genesis to talk about in the beginning, when God made Adam and made his wife and brought her to his side, made her out of, the, uh, out of a rib from his side, and uh, the Holy Spirit, we know, was involved in creation. In fact, in Genesis 1-2, says that he was. And what was he doing? The Bible says he was brooding over the darkness. Darkness was, co- darkness was covering the atmosphere of the earth. Uh, and really, what that means is it wasn't just there was no sun. Uh, darkness meant the spiritual atmosphere of the earth. And I believe it, it became that when, when, when God cast Satan out of heaven and he came crashing to earth. And all of a sudden, when he came crashing to earth, there was, no, there was no light. There was total darkness. And the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. And he was simply waiting for the spoken word of God. He was waiting for God's instructions. And the moment that God said, let there be light. The Spirit of God manifested the glorious light of our God in heaven. Can I have an amen? That's where it came. And guess what? He's been, he's been shining his glorious gospel of Christ within the, heart, within the hearts of fallen humanity ever since. Giving us hope of, 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 what we, of what we wouldn't understand except by revelation that there is an eternity. And that eternity is to be spent with Almighty God. Come on. How many are grateful for eternity with Jesus Christ our Lord. It awaits all of us. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So in the beginning, he, the Holy Spirit, was the illuminating light 
in the hearts of Adam and his wife. I call them Adam 1 and Adam 2. Why? Because uh, 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 it wasn't until after Adam transgressed that he gave his wife's name Eve. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says that Adam and his wife were called Adam. They had the same name. That's why we get this covenant relationship. Vicki, she was an Anderson, but when she... When we entered into a covenant of marriage, she took on my name. Bang. Okay? And so here, it was Adam 1 and Adam 2. And so here, we find out that one day, we find out that the serpent, the devil, found himself slithering into the very center of Adam's domain. So obviously, someone opened the door. And of course, we know who it was. It had to have been Adam 1. Why? Because he was, the, he was the one that had the spiritual authority of God to keep the enemies out of his life. That's one thing that I'm so, I'm so grateful. All, I look around and see all these awesome men that are here today and uh, a part of our church. All the families that we have as a part of our church. And as men, we are the spiritual leaders of our homes, whether we accept the responsibility of it or not. And as men, we have the authority to keep the devil out of our homes. Can I have an amen? We have that authority. Not to dominate our families, but our authority to lead them by precept and example. So in the beginning, the helper was there to help Adam. And if he would have just called out on God in the hour of temptation, if he just called on God, God would have responded by the help of the Holy Spirit to deliver him from that situation. But we, we, we found out that that wasn't the case. They fell that day because they, watch this, they assumed that they could entertain temptation and still remain faithful to God. They assumed that they could entertain temptation and still be faithful to God. And I, I, I imagine, I wrote this down because I thought it was amazing. Can you imagine the horror in the heart and the soul of Adam when he discovered, discovered that day that he fell that there was no one there to help him? There's no one there to help him. Why? Because uh, the Lord said this. He said, he said, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. So when God came searching in the cool of the day, that day, searching for, God knew where he was. But when he came down walking in the cool of the day, looking for Adam, the Bible says that Adam, Adam was cringing in fear and hiding from the presence of God. Why? Because he really believed at that point that he was expecting to lose his life, not realizing that his life was lost already. He was separated from God. And instead of, have, instead of being a man of faith, he became a man of fear. Which is why Jesus came back to restore that relationship back to our creator. Can I have an amen? amen. So he was hiding, believing that he was, he was going to uh, lose his life. So what is my point? My point in bringing this up was that while Adam 1 and 2 were living the... Listen, while they were living in the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of God's life... That atmosphere where we're going to enter into someday where this body of clay will be put off and we'll get God, Jesus' body. Can I have an amen? A body that is never subjected and susceptible to temptation again. But even in that fullness of God's nature, they still couldn't succeed without the help of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? 
So we see, you know, we, we teach on this. There were two trees in the garden. Uh, uh, the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good, good rep- uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented two things. It represented ownership, that God owns everything, we're just stewards of it. And it represented the tithe. Don't touch it, because by not touching that, you understand that you will always be a servant, and I will always be the master. Isn't that good? Because see, even now, see, you know, especially amongst the ethnic groups, we got this thing called you know, slavery mentality, or you know, we were once slaves. But guess what? We were all slaves until Jesus came. And your freedom, even to this day, is determined on how much you give to God in your life. If you give him everything about your life, you'll no longer be a slave. You'll be free. The apostle Paul called himself a slave, a bond slave to Jesus Christ. Meaning, true liberty is not found in your independence. It's found on your dependence on God. That's true liberty. So whether, so whether you like it or not, you're going to be in bondage to something. If you want to be in bondage to sin and death, go ahead. But if you want to be in bondage to life and life more abundantly, hallelujah, then get enslaved to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. Hallelujah. It's true. You're going to serve someone. There are two spiritual forces that you must be equipped with to conquer the temptations of life on a daily basis. Number two, number one is the Spirit of God. Number two is the Word of God. These are the two forces, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Even Joshua, God gave him instructions regarding him succeeding and, or carrying on or completing what Moses started, and that's to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Here's what he said. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, meaning it's, it'll, it, it must be there all the time. Uh, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that's written therein. For then, that's when you're going to make your way prosperous, and that's when you're going to deal wisely and have good success. How many want to deal wisely and have good success in your life? You do. Then the closer you get to the, uh, the closer you get to the presence of the consciousness of the Holy Spirit in your life, the more you will succeed in your life. Because God, listen, you can't do life alone. You have to have help. I said you have to have help. Look up and say, thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost. Because whether you realize it or not, he's living on the inside of you. You have someone living in your house. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? When, when the, 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 the man from uh, Gadarian, uh, uh, Mark, the fifth chapter, he was demon-possessed. He had 6,000 demons living on the inside of him. Now, that's a full house. <laughs> huh? Got a lot of bedrooms. <laughs> That's a full, come on, you can be, you can be, be fun, have fun in church. But just think about that, 6,000 demons live on the inside of him. Boy, am I glad I only have one spirit, and that's the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. Amen. And that is the promise to every one of you as well. How important is our allegiance to the Spirit of God? Let me give you some examples. We need his help to discern between good and evil. Serious, I'm dead serious about that. Listen to me. Believers that want to ride the fence, want to have one foot in the world and one foot uh, with God, they don't have a true discernment of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Because you cannot live a lukewarm life and please God. I mean, I'm just, I'm just helping you to understand this. 
Number two, we need his help to discern the difference between truth and error. We need his help to understand and interpret the Holy Scriptures accurately. We need the Holy Spirit's help to overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We need his help to love as God loves, give as God gives, and forgive as God forgives. And we need the Holy Spirit's help to walk by faith and not by sight. And finally, we need his help to run our spiritual race and finish it glorifying our Father in heaven. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Say out loud, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, living is living in me for the purposes of God. Purposes of God. Yeah, he, he really is. Amen. Back to John 14. Now, Jesus said, I've told you these things while I'm still with you. But the parakletos, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. Now, we have seven of the most beautiful grandchildren. We got to enjoy seeing our oldest grandson, Jacob, uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. We pulled into Springfield, coming back from the prayer conference, and... Um, and uh, we took him out for dinner, had a wonderful time seeing Jacob, and, and uh, he really enjoyed seeing Nan and Papa, and so we had fun with him. But we have seven wonderful grandchildren. But what's so funny about our youngest, which is Apollo, see, he, he, gets, so, he gets so disturbed when he, he thinks he can do something he can't. Like, for instance, he always wanted to open up the, or put his cap on his cup, <laughs> spill stuff all over the place. Because he wasn't able, he wasn't skilled enough. He wasn't skilled enough. In his mind he thought he was, but he, he wasn't. And it's the same with our lives. There's the whole spiritual journey of your life, and I want to encourage, especially the young believers, the, your whole journey, it's a process. Don't get down on yourself when you miss it, when you blow it, when you make a mistake. God doesn't get down on you. He really doesn't because you are a young person in the Lord, and it takes time to grow. However, if you've been serving God for 30 years and you're still sucking on a bottle and you're, you're still behaving like a baby, God's not pleased with you. Because I always tell people with, respo- with, with revelation, revelation is for one purpose, responsibility. It's, it's not, re- revelation doesn't cause you to be some spiritual big person. It, it, it reminds you that if God shows you something, it's for a purpose, because warfare is coming, and you're going to need it in your life. Amen. So very important you understand that. So, he said the Spirit of God is, he, he, he's coming to represent me and to act on my behalf. He was simply telling the disciples that everything that I've been to you right now, I've been your provider. He did. Uh, when you realize, see, people think that Jesus was poor. Jesus was very, very successful. Very, he was very financially secure because he had to provide for at least 70 disciples that followed him. 70. He had 70 employees and their families to take care of. So no, he was not poor. So he said, now everything I've been to you, everything, uh, everything I've been to you, the Holy Ghost is to you. He's going to be that for you. So don't worry about it. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you someone to aid and assist you so that you can become everything I've called you to be. Somebody shout amen. amen. So Jesus said, he will teach you all things. What things? the things that you're going to need to be Christ-like on this side of eternity. The Holy Spirit will teach you to be wise so that you can avoid the pitfalls of life. He'll teach you how to stay full of love, how to be compassionate, merciful, patient, kind, and good. He'll teach you the truth that will liberate your life in every area. He will teach you how to love your spouse. Hallelujah. I'm serious about that. We all need help in that area. 
He'll teach you how to raise your children, how to sharpen the skills and talents he gave you for his honor and glory. Your survival concerning the dark days ahead will be dependent upon your intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and his daily influence in your life. just want you to know that. There was never, there's never been a believer in the Bible who finished their spiritual race without God's help. Neither can we. Say thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. I yield my life to him. Holy Spirit, I allow you to be the master of my life. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's, see, every one of us are in the same place. We need divine help. Every one of us. Every one of us. Think about this. And I'm, I'm really, literally winding down, but this is my first closing. There are 730 hours in a month. Now, I want you for just a moment to stop and think. And I want you to be honest with yourself and answer this. How many of those hours do you give to your spiritual life and to your service to God? A large part, now this is true, I've asked many pastors, I just asked Melissa, she travels all over. Every pastor has been acknowledging these challenges in their churches. A large part of the 21st century church in America believes that they are wholly committed to God and to the local church by attending two of the eight services a month. And they are convinced that they're absolutely sold out to God. That, I mean, so what does that total out? Well, if you give two, two services out of the eight, you're giving about three hours to God per month. Can you imagine how long it would take for you to finish college? By giving the professor three hours of your life per month? Because you'd forget everything that he told you the previous three hours. And then you wonder why the passion you had for God at one time has, for the most part, dissipated in your life. You wonder why all hell breaks against you and you're not equipped to conquer it and change the course of the attacks in your life. I'm just simply, I mean, just think, if you give three hours a month, that means you're giving 727 hours a month to worldly cares, business cares, and family cares. I'm telling you, I, mean, I, I have, and I'm just simply telling you, and of course I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today, but if that's, if, if that's what you've been dealing with, then God wants you to buck up and get committed to his house. And get committed to serving in his house. Because Terry and his wife had no idea what I was going to share him, but it's true. Your growth really does come from practicing what you think that you don't have. Even though God's gifted you to do everything in his house. Can I have an amen? amen. So once you start falling apart, then you will not be divinely equipped or think you are to conquer and handle the things that are coming against your life. How important is the local church to God? I want you to listen to this because this is absolutely true. I'm not lying on the pulpit here. Strike me dead if I'm lying. No. <laughs> Jesus never missed one service in the synagogue his entire 30 years of his life. He, okay, 
33 and a half years he lived. Of course, we know he went, what did he, what did he do when he came? Did anybody know where he went when he went? He came out of the wilderness after 40 days of temptation. Where did, did anybody know where he went? Say this out loud. He went, he went to the synagogue. Here's what the Bible says, as his custom was. So he never missed a church service. Never, ever. That's how important it is. Because he would have never been equipped to conquer what you can't conquer on your own without divine equipping. That's Jesus. That's 100% God in flesh. Could not, could not fulfill his divine destiny without his total submission to the third person of the Godhead. Man, if that's the case, how much more you and I? And local church is the place where you grow. Now, I laugh because Jeff's here. I'm going to tell on Jeff. I called him because I do. I always call the guys that share. And I said, you know, uh, well, first of all, I called someone else to see, you know, finally report. So I called Randy. I said, oh, Jeff, go. Oh, he did really good. It was, it, 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 did, it did a good job. He said he went home that night just tormented in his mind because he thought he was as dry as a desert wind. Listen, you can go to any church, and if you are susceptible, and if you are open to God, he can take a dead dog and teach you something. Amen. Now, that's not what you are, Jeff. I mean, just say. <laughs> but I, I, and I told him, it's truly true. That's how I feel just about every time I come off the pulpit, that I fell short in giving you the things that are necessary for your life. But if you're open, if you're open and you're hungry, God will feed you no matter what. Hallelujah. He'll get you what you need for your life. Can I have an amen? amen? So it isn't about the vessel that the word's coming through. It's about the vessels that the word's going to. And when you draw from the gift, it may be dry, it may be dry to the vessel uh, giving it, but praise God, help. if you're thirsty and you're hungry, God will make sure that your thirst is quenched and your body and your spirit is fed. Can I have an amen? amen. It's true. Now listen to this. This is, I got three verses and I got to close. Matthew 6, this is Jesus addressing his disciples. Watch this. Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But gather, heap up, and store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the treasures in heaven, everything about the word of God, everything about the will of God is the treasures in heaven. Where neither rust or moth or worm consume and destroy, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Watch this. For your treasures, there will be your heart be also. And many of you, for some reason, many that aren't here, we had a lot of people in our church, they, you, do, you, don't, you don't treasure the value of Wednesday night services. And they're so important to you because you need that for your life. I'm not so insecure that I think that I'm going to fall apart because you're not here. But you may fall apart if you're not here. You need these times. Just the times are refreshing. You need times to fill up. You need times just to spend time with God because life gets so hectic outside these doors. Yeah, Pastor Vicki shared this morning, and it's, it's absolutely true. She, she every morning, she's up, she's up early. She, she, she's, up, she's awake before I am. And she's uh, reading and worshiping and praying. And she spends two hours doing that. Because she said, if I don't do it now, the day's going to be gone and I won't get it done. So she does that every morning. Every morning. And so how much, y'all agree with me that these two services that we hold every week, they're important for your growth. 
they're not just here Wednesday night service because it's out of tradition and we're Pentecostal, so we have a Wednesday night. No, you need it for your life. Because you, you get inspired, you get strengthened, you get blessed. Hallelujah. And you get fueled up. Can I have an amen? Listen to this, Psalms 120. I got to share this. Psalms 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills around Jerusalem. This is the psalmist. Listen to this now. To, to, I will lift up my eyes to sacred Mount Zion and Mount Moriah. From whence shall my help come? He's asking the question. Well, my help comes from the Lord. Where at? On the sacred mountain of Zion and Mount Moriah. Uh, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip or to be moved. He, he who keeps you will not slumber. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Now say it like you mean it. I'm glad for that. Hallelujah. So where is the psalmist when he's saying this? Number one, he's in Jerusalem, the city of peace. Listen to this. He's standing upon the sacred soil of Mount Zion. What's important about that? That was the, that was the location of the temple courtyard where they brought their sacrifices, hallelujah, and received forgiveness of sins. How important is that? Mount Moriah, listen. Uh, uh, yeah, it's where the sacrifices were offered at Mount Zion uh, for atonement. And Mount Moriah was where the temple was mount. That's where the temple mount was, where the temple mount was, where, where Solomon's temple was. It's where Abraham offered up his son on the altar of sacrifice. It's where God's people united for worship and their service to God. It's where the Old Testament believers did church. It's where God's people received God's divine protection, direction, and provision. It was in his house. It wasn't outside his house. Do you remember in the Old Testament, they would build groves and they would build places of idolatry where they'd go and worship. They wouldn't come to the house of God, but they were worshiping other places. And that's what we do. We get outside this place, and what are we doing? We're worshiping all the things that are in this world and, and, and take this time very lightly when this should be the most important time in your life. When Angie's up here leading, stop for a moment and think, this could be the last service that you were allowed to worship God in publicly because the laws have changed. You would probably have a whole different perspective on your worship of God if you knew it was the last time that you could worship him in public. So we take things for granted until we lose them. Hebrews 12, I'm closing here. This is it. Hebrews 12, verse 14. It's on the screen because it's New Living Translation. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Did you hear that? I know this is kind of square when it comes to the, the culture today that we can be believers and live like we want to, talk like we want to, and do whatever we want to, but that's not what the scriptures say. If you're not living a holy life, you're not gonna, your perception of God will be distorted. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. What did he do? He traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. He traded the eternal things of God for a temporary lunch. Temporary fleshly satisfaction. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. He, he wanted so desperately to turn the thing around, and he couldn't. 
You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Zion. Verse 22, no, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Hallelujah. That's what church should be, a joyful gathering. I'm telling you, and you should, I mean, the power of God should come flying this way. She gets knocked on the floor and don't wake up till the service is over. Woo! Because it isn't. Oh, I wish it was in the, in the lights, in the, in the smoke. No, it's not. It's coming from you. <laughs> and she's up here so sweet, smiling and everything, going, oh, my God, I can't wait. This is over with. <laughs> so important. Oh, you come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the, uh, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and his people, and to the sprinkling of blood which speaks of forgiveness. Instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. How many are grateful we can come to God and he doesn't have vengeance in his heart? Man, am I grateful for that. So watch this. See, come to. Uh, how times is this? Come to. You come to. You, you come to. Um, uh, God himself, you, you come to the spirits of the righteous ones. You come to Jesus and you come to God. Hallelujah. So, verse 25, so be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. Now, listen, some will leave here today and they'll say, I don't care what the preacher says, I ain't coming Wednesday night. And already resisting the will of God for your life. Already. Not even out of church yet. And then you wonder why we don't get his assistance like we need it. I'm just saying See, you think we're not rebellious, but we really are. We think we're, oh, oh, I obey God, but we really don't. So be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape, when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Say, this is God's house. It is. And I understand. I'm not, you know, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I understand that this is the house of God. I understand that God lives within us, but he also has natural houses for his people to gather so they can worship, so they can grow, so they can be blessed. Hallelujah. Important. When God spoke from Mount Zion, his voice shook the earth. But now he speaks, excuse me, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will, not, I will shake not only the earth, but heaven also. This means that all creation will be shaken and be removed. I want you to know this. Everything's going to be shaken. Uh, right now, America's being shaken. And, and, and I know right now, thank God the economy is good, but what if the con economy went down the tube tomorrow? How strong would you and I be? How strong would we be? our faith would be to say it doesn't matter, God's going to provide for us? 
so that only the unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. And where would that be? In God's house. Of course I understand. You can go out these doors, worship God in the shower, worship God in your truck. But this is the worship center of God. It's where corporate faith is. A presence so that you can get what you need. Hallelujah. So when you leave here, your life has changed. Your body's healed. Your mind's at peace. Amen. And provision is made for you. For our God is a devouring fire. And he really is. And I really do have a reverential fear for God. He has grown through the years. Because he, I mean, and I thank God he's loving and very merciful. But boy, I tell you, when you know to do good and you don't do it, the Bible says, to you it's sin. To you it's sin. But I, I mean, I want to encourage everyone to understand that. Say this out loud, God is my helper. Please, everyone say it, God is my helper. No, he really is. And I want to encourage you that because I want you to know that. He's your helper. He's he's there constantly. I mean, he's there every second of every moment of every day to help you. But you got to want his help and you got to call for his help. And once he, hey, once he instructs you, you have to be willing to obey him. So crucial. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.